Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Praise God. I am excited to bring the Word of the Lord to you today. And, um, you know, I am just amazed at the, the revelation that the Lord's been opening up to me over the last um, several months. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's awesome how that you can, you know, I mean, here I am, I'm, I'm 64 years old, and uh, I have been in church my entire life, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know for a fact how old I was when I went to church for the first time, but I would guess probably less than two weeks. And, uh, you know, I've been in church my whole life. I never left the church. Uh, and uh, I've been in pastoral ministry for over 30 years. And uh, so all of that considered, you know, that, that uh, really I was I was saved at about seven years old. I uh, uh, really got serious about the things of God at about uh, at about twenty, and so you, you can see that I I'm not a spring chicken. That that uh, I've been around the block a couple times, and I've seen a lot of things come and go in the church. I've been a student of God's Word for. Uh, for 40 years, over 40 years, and uh, as a student of God's Word, it amazes me how the passages of Scripture that I've, I've read over and over and over and over still hold revelation that I haven't seen yet, and uh, that uh, I open up God's Word. I sat down the other morning. And uh, nothing really was, was going through my mind. I didn't really have a passage of Scripture on my heart. So I just went back to the last thing that God started speaking to me out of. And I, I read it over again and meditated for a little bit on the things he had been saying to me. And then continued just a little bit further. And as I continued just a little bit farther, it began to open up some new stuff. Stuff I'd never seen before in my life. And, uh, uh, you know, in all the times I had read that passage of Scripture that I had never seen in there. And, uh, you know, so I want to encourage you 
to be a student, <coughs> excuse me. Okay, I felt another one coming on, but it's not. Okay. Uh, but I want to encourage you to be a student of God's Word. Bring your Bible to church. Praise God. How many Bibles we got in the house today? I mean, that, it counts if it's on your phone or your tablet. How many Bibles we got in the house? Praise God. Most of you have one. Praise God. If not everybody, I'm not sure, but, uh, uh, but it was a, a very large percentage. Praise God. We need to have the Bible in church. Praise God. Because, you know, I, I'm telling you, if you go to a, a church that's not preaching the Bible, you ought to just find another one. Uh, because, you know, what do we come for? You know, that, that, that's been a, a, a strong uh, point that, that God has been uh, speaking to me about is the purpose for things. There are so many things in, that, that we do that are good things, but we have a misunderstanding about their purpose. And we, you know, we don't understand what is it for. You know, for many years, uh, you know, I, I read the scriptures. I, for many years in church, you know, I said I've been in church my whole life. And, and we would go to church and we would receive communion. And, uh, but we were never told what communion was for. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was to remember what Jesus did, but we weren't reminded of what Jesus did. And, you know, we were to do it in remembrance of him, but we didn't really remember what he did that brought us. The, we just remembered that Jesus took communion with his disciples, so we're taking communion. And uh, we, we didn't really realize that this communion table is ordained of God for healing for your body and for the power to overcome and rise above and live above sin in your life. That's what this is for. You know, I was just, I was reading this morning about the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. We've, we, we've, believed in that, we've preached it, we've, we've practiced it, we've done, but often we don't even know what it's for. We don't know why, well, why did God give us these gifts of the Spirit? We think it's so we can jump and holler and shout and run around, but that's not the point. That's, that's not what it's given for, praise God, and, and, you know, and, and, and we have thought, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of preachers out there that thought that God gave manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit to build their ministry. That's not what it's for. The gifts of the Spirit are, they're genuine, they're real, they're Bible, but that's not the purpose. And so, you know, uh, as I've, as I've studied these things, I, I want to go into some things today, and uh, I'm sure we're going to come back to that point, but uh, 
we've been talking about knowing Jesus. That's our, our, our summer uh, series, our summer theme is knowing Jesus. And so we want to know him, but we want to know, you know, why he came. We want to know why he lived here, you know, why he walked among us. We want to know why he did the things he did, why he said the things he said. You know, it's good to know what he said, but why did he say it? We want to know what he did, but we want to know why he did what he did. You know, we want to know why did he go back to heaven? I mean, we know he did, but why did he go back to heaven? You see, because all of those things, it's not just a matter of accumulating a whole bunch of facts. It's a matter of understanding so that God can do in our lives what he wants to do. Praise God. And so that, you know, Jesus, the Bible says in John chapter 3, God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten Son. That whoever believes upon Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Why did God give His only begotten Son? Because He so loved the world. You know, so the world figures into this somehow. You know, we, we need to understand why God gave His only begotten Son. Because He so loved the world. Now, in, first, in 2 Corinthians, and we've been building off of this passage of Scripture right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 16 says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. You see, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I'm going away, and it's good for you that I'm going away. Why was it good for them? You know, Jesus was their meal ticket. Jesus was the one that took care of them. Jesus was, was the one that when they had a cough, he healed them. You know, Jesus was the one who, when their business was going bad, he said, cast your net on the other side of the boat. You see, Jesus was the one that took care of all of these issues. Jesus was the one that when the Roman government came, uh, you know, that, that Jesus was the guy that had to deal with them. <laughs> Jesus was the guy that when the religious leaders, they, they, um, they came, it was Jesus that had to deal with them. Now, why was it good that he goes away? He said, because if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. We need the comforter. We need the helper. Jesus talked about him throughout chapters 14, 15, and 16 of, uh, of the Gospel of John. Jesus talked about him extensively. And, and he said, he, he called him a helper when the helper who is the Holy Spirit has come, he will do this. Praise God. He, he, will, uh, he, he will become this in your life. See, when the helper 
who is the Holy Spirit. He called him the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him because he will, because he is with you and will be in you. Yes. Praise God. So he said that the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, will come and dwell on the inside of you. And Jesus said that's why he's going back to the Father. Praise God. He said, I won't leave you comfortless. I won't leave you without a helper. He said, I will come to you. I will not leave you orphans. This is why the Holy Spirit needed to come. Why was it more important that Holy Spirit come than for Jesus to stay here personally? Because when Jesus was here in the flesh, he could, he could be with you, but he could not be in you. And you see, we are created to have the life of God in us. When God created man from the dust of the earth, the Bible says he breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living being. It's, and then after, you know, the fall and man went through this time of separation from God and then Jesus goes to the cross and he rises again from the dead and he goes and he meets some of his disciples on the road, and he begins to talk with them, and the scripture says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And so, Holy Spirit has come to move on the inside of you something that Jesus in the flesh could not do. But for Holy Spirit to come and move in you is equivalent to Jesus coming and moving in you. Now, why I say that? You know, are, are, are they the same? Well, God is one God, but there are three expressions of God. There's God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Spirit, but they're all God. And so the, the point was, in the beginning, God breathed into them the breath of life. He breathed himself into man. And now, when you receive Jesus or you receive the Holy Spirit into your life, God once again comes on the inside of you. And that's what God wanted all along from the fall. That was what God wanted to get back in you. Praise God. He was in Adam. Then there came the separation. But God set out from that very moment to get back in you. Praise God. Praise God. Some people think that Jesus went to the cross so we would be nice. You know, I mean, to, to many people, that's the extent, uh, the, uh, that, that's all there is to the Christian life. That's all there is to being a Christian is being nice, being good, doing good deeds. Well, you know, good deeds are the result, not the cause. You know, yes, we need to do good deeds. Yes, we need to be nice. Yes, we need to be, you know, good, upstanding, moral people. But that is the result, not the cause. Praise God. That's the result of God in you. It's not what, what gets God in you. 
Praise God. And so we've got to get that, that, that the scripture said we don't know Jesus according to the, or Christ according to the flesh any longer. We know him now according to the spirit. Praise God. Now, uh, I want to go to John, the fourth chapter, and I want us to look at something extremely important right here, that in John, the fourth chapter, Jesus is, is, is traveling, and the scripture says he needed to go through Samaria. Now, if you understand the, the, the history, you know that Jews did not go to Samaria. Jesus was a Jew. Some of you, some of you didn't know that. Jesus was a Jew. He was born a Jew. And he, he practiced the Jewish faith. And, uh, but Jews did not go to Samaria. Because the Samaritan people were a mixed race of people. Now, here's, here's what a lot of people don't understand either, is that Jews were racist. Hmm? Okay? Now, what I mean by that is they didn't go to Samaria because Samaria was, well, they were a mixed race. And we can't have anything to do with them. But Jesus went there. All right? Jesus went there because I got to tell you this, Jesus was not racist. All right? Now, the, the Jews didn't have anything to do with the Samaritans, but Jesus needed to go through Samaria because he had an appointment in Samaria. Now, here's what it says in John chapter 4. Um, Jesus goes through Samaria, and his disciples, well, they went into the city to, to get, you know, they, they, they went into the city, and Jesus sits down at the well in Samaria, in the city of Samaria. And as he's sitting there at the well, there comes a woman to the well that day that Jesus had an appointment with. She didn't know she had an appointment with Jesus, but she came to the well that day, and Jesus is there waiting for her. And Jesus, first of all, it was not customary that a man would speak to a woman, much less a Jewish man to a Samaritan woman. That, that was uncommon. It wasn't a thing that happened. And so Jesus is sitting there, but this woman comes to the well, and Jesus begins to talk to her, and he asks uh, ask her, yeah, you know, or she, uh, she, she wonders, you know, he, Jesus makes this statement. He said, uh, if, if you knew who I was, he said, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. And this woman says, well, you know, I mean, she's thinking, okay, he doesn't even have anything to draw water with, so how's he going to give me this living water? And so she, she asked him, and Jesus 
tells her about the living water that is not the physical water that comes out of this well, but there is another well that is on the inside of me that I'll draw this water from and I'll give you this water to drink if you want to receive this. If you want to drink of this water, then you can drink of this water. And, and she says, uh, and, and he tells her, he says, go call your husband. Well, the woman's, that, Jesus is baiting the hook here. Jesus says, go call your husband. She says, um, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you spoke truly in that you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. And number six is that you're living with right now, that you're shacking up with right now, he ain't even your husband. So, you know, you've had five husbands, and now you've got a sixth that's not even your husband. And this woman says, sir, I believe you are a prophet. Now, wonder what gave her the clue. Uh, you know, and she says, but since you're a prophet, let me ask you this question. He, she says, so our fathers say that we should worship God on this mountain. New Jews say you should worship God in Jerusalem. What do you say? Uh, you know, you're, I, I believe you're a prophet, so, so what do you say? And Jesus says the hour is coming and now is where the true worshipers will worship God in spirit, not on this mountain or in Jerusalem, but will worship God in spirit and in truth. Praise God. And then Jesus uh, you know, she this this woman. She then goes into the city and she goes to call all the men of the city. Now, notice she the, she didn't call any of the women, or at least she didn't tell us that. But she went and called all the men. Well, she knew the men much better than the women. I'm quite sure. Uh, and so she goes to call all the men of the city, come and see this guy, meet this guy that I just met at the well, and he told me everything I ever did. And so they go, they come, and, um, you know, and, and the Bible tells us that Jesus stayed there for, for two days and taught them. Now, there's some... There, there's some uh, revelation in the fact that he stayed there for two days and taught them. But, uh, but let me go back now to um, John 4, verse 34. Now, I've kind of given you the, the quick overview of, of this thing. But notice in verse number 34, Jesus' disciples, had, they had just come back, and they, they find Jesus there. And, and they said, uh, you know, aren't you, aren't you hungry? Don't you want something to eat? And Jesus said, verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, they wanted to know, so did somebody bring him something to eat? You know, but but Jesus is saying, no. You know, I've got I've got food you don't know anything about. He said, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Now we've been talking all year long about growing up and 
maturing in the things of God. Becoming mature believers. And let me tell you this, that when you start talking about maturing in the things of God, this is another thing where so many people get the wrong idea about what maturity is. You know, they think that if they can, if, if they shout and dance and run around, that that's mature. But let, let's find out what the Bible says maturity is. Praise God. You know, uh, they think that if they are a every, now, I, don't get me wrong, I believe that Christians ought to be in church, all right? But some people think if you're faithful in your church attendance, you're mature. Some people think if you have a bumper sticker that says, I love, honk if you love Jesus, that that means you're mature. Some think if you're a King James only person, that means you're mature. See, there's all kinds of ideas about what maturity is, but let's find out what the Bible says maturity is. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Um, you know, I, I'm not criticizing any of the things. If you've got that bumper sticker, praise God, I'll honk when I see you. <laughs> praise God. But, you know, that, that's not the... That's not the sign of maturity, you know. If you want to shout and dance before the Lord, go for it. But that, that doesn't mean you're mature, all right? Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Now, let's back up to verse number 31. It says, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food that you, uh, of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him food? Verse 34. Now, I want to go to the King James Version on this, not because I'm a King James only guy, um, but I want to go to the King James Version because it says it in a way, it is translated in a way that I want you to understand because it makes a point. Here he says, do we have that in the, uh, in the, the King James? That's, uh, that's, oh, there, there we are. Okay. All right. He says, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Um, my meat is to, to do the will of him who sent me. The new King James says, my food, but do you know that? You say, well, what, what, what does it matter? What difference does it make? Well, I like this because it makes a, a, a great point. You know, food, everybody from an infant till the day you die, everybody eats food. But the scripture says something very specific about meat. And this is why I like the word meat there. Um, in fact, in uh, uh, verse number 34, he says, My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Now, in, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 14, it says, Strong meat 
belongs to them who are of full age. Strong meat belongs to them who are of full age. So he's saying that meat is for mature people. Food's for everybody. But meat is for mature people. Praise God. And so Jesus didn't just say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. He said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. And do you see where I'm going with this? He is saying that when you are mature, a sign of maturity is that you eat the meat of God's word. In other words, the meat of God's word is for mature believers. And what is the meat of God's word? The meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Remember I said shouting and jumping and hollering? Fine, but doesn't mean you're mature. You know, speaking with tongues doesn't mean you're mature. There, there are a lot of things, you know, being in church every week doesn't mean you're mature. What means you are mature, the meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Praise God. So are you doing the will of him who sent you? Praise God. Are you finding out what the will of the Lord is? See, that's what, that, that, that's what Ephesians tells us. It says that, you know, that, that we're to find out what the will of the Lord is. Praise God. Praise God. And as we find out what the will of the Lord is, and we begin to implement that into our life, and so we begin to make sure that that's taking place. Now, Jesus said that in the context of, in fact, John the fourth chapter is all about evangelism. He just said, I have meat that you don't know anything about. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I made a statement, I believe it was last week. I said that, that God saved you because he loves you. But God left you here on this earth after he saved you because he loves them in the world. He left you here to do a job. And the job is that we are to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. That is his will. The Bible says it's not his will that any perish. So that we, we can flip that over and say that it is his will that nobody perish. But that all should come to repentance. It is his will that nobody should perish but that all should come to repentance. Praise God. And so it is his will that they hear the gospel. Jesus said before he went back to heaven, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yet 
How many Christians believe that it's somebody else's job? How many Christians believe that that is the responsibility of ordained ministers? Many Christians believe that, the, that, that they have no responsibility as far as the world is concerned. But Jesus said, you do. Did Jesus get it right? Okay, a few handful of people believe Jesus got it right. Anybody else in the house believe Jesus got it right? Yes, Jesus got it right. Go into all the world. All authority, he said in Matthew's account of this, it says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Praise God. So we are to get the gospel to the world. You cannot call yourself a mature believer if you are not involved in some capacity, in some way, at getting the gospel to the world. You can't call yourself mature unless. See, now here's the thing. I've known too many people that when they first got saved, they had a heart to tell everybody else. They had a heart to reach the world. They had a heart to go out and share Jesus, to tell people about Jesus. And then they started getting educated in the Bible. Then they started reading their Bible. They started attending church. And the next thing you know, they're not telling anybody about Jesus. They're just criticizing people that don't know Jesus. You know, they're, they're just, uh, you know, for, for lack of a better way to say it, they're just hating on people that don't know Jesus. But praise God, if we want to have the meat, I'm, I'm telling you that if you lost your heart for evangelism, if you lost your heart for souls, if you no longer care about souls, you have not matured. You've picked up the bottle again. And I don't mean the alcohol. I mean you picked up the baby bottle again. Praise God. If you lost a heart for souls, if you lost a vision of the world coming to Christ, you picked up the baby bottle again. Scripture says, strong meat belongs to those who are full-aged. Praise God. Praise God. Now, when he, says, he says, some of you should be teachers by now, but you have need that I once again teach you the elementary stuff. What happened? You went back to the bottle. Praise God. It's time to grow up. It's time to mature. Praise God. It's time to start seeing. Now, what happened when Jesus was at the well? What was it that made the woman at the well want to hear what Jesus said? 
You know, I, I mentioned earlier that, that some people think that, that the gifts of the Spirit are just so, you know, some people believe it's so God can show off. God can show off without that. God doesn't have to have that to show off. I mean, you know, Jesus didn't even have to come for God to show off. I mean, what do you think, what do you think that was when he parted the Red Sea? Jesus hadn't even come yet. You know, that was God showing off. What do you think it was when uh, the children of Israel, are, when Joshua was in this battle and he's running out of daylight to fight this battle, and so the sun stood still? And for a whole day, the sun didn't go down. What do you think? That's God showing off. God showing off. Jesus hadn't even come yet. You see, Jesus didn't even have to come for God to show off. You know, some people think that the gifts of the Spirit, like I said, there are a lot of preachers that think the gifts of the Spirit are given to build their ministry. Jesus showed us what the gifts of the Spirit are really for. You realize this woman got curious because come see a man that told me everything I ever did. Come meet this guy that told me all my history and all my past. You know, Some think that the gifts of the Spirit are given to expose people that are doing wrong. You know, we, we've, we've got the reasons for these things all messed up and mixed up. The reason for the gifts of the Spirit, now thank God they operate in the church. And thank God, you know, that's, that's valid. The Apostle Paul, you say, well, you know, well, should we not have them in the church? Well, Paul spent considerable time in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talking about the proper use of gifts of the Spirit in the church. So if, if it wasn't supposed to happen in church, then he would not have told us how to do it correctly in church. But even at that, that's not the primary use. What happened on the day of Pentecost? They all heard them speaking in their own language. And they said, these guys are drunk. Now, I don't know. Uh, I, I've never been drunk, but some of you have. So, <laughs> so I'm going to rely on you. All right. To, to, when you were drunk, did you ever speak in tongues? Did you ever speak in a language that other people understood that were a language you didn't learn? Any of you that have ever been drunk done that? Okay. All right. I didn't think so. All right. I didn't think so. So, so you know, I don't know why they thought they were drunk because they were hearing them speak in their own. That, that never, 
just didn't ever calculate. Maybe the Lord will give me some revelation on that someday. But, uh, um, but, but you know, it's, um, it, the, the point is, it got their attention. These manifestations of the Spirit got their attention, and then Peter stood up, and he preached, and after Peter preached, there were 3,000 souls that were added to the church. So we could conclude then that the purpose of the, of the people hearing them speak in an unknown tongue, that the purpose of that wasn't actually an unknown tongue because somebody didn't know it. All right? So it was a, another tongue. Let me say it that way. The purpose of them speaking in other tongues was so that it would arrest the attention of the people that were hearing it so, because they came together to see what was going on. Praise God. And then Peter preached to them the gospel and 3,000 were added to the church. Jesus revealed to this lady... He wasn't trying to reveal some deep, dark secret that made her feel bad and to condemn her. No, Jesus was saying something that, I mean, he, he wasn't even telling everybody. He was just telling a woman something she already knew. She, had no, she didn't know he knew, all right? He said, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And it got this woman's attention to the extent that she went and found all the men of the city and said, you got to come hear this guy. So do you see the true point of the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit? You know, when Peter and John went up to the temple on, uh, at the hour of prayer, and there was a lame man sitting at the gate of the temple who had been sitting there begging alms. And uh, he's begging alms of them. And they look at him and they say, silver and gold we don't have. But what we have, we give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There was a gift of healing that was in manifestation right then. What did the gift of healing do? The end result of that was People added to the church. People coming to Jesus as, a, as the end result of that. Now, first of all, the man got healed. God wanted him healed. But it was further reaching than that. It wasn't just that man. It was all of the people that would respond and that would have a curiosity about this and would come in here and Peter and John stood up and they preached the gospel that they probably would not have had an audience had this not happened. Had the gifts of the Spirit not been in manifestation. So Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. So mature people should eat meat. Mature people should do the will of him who sent me. Praise God. Praise God. Now, it's okay if I switch gears right now and, and, and go into to another 
place. Now, here is, go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Verse number 48. Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Now, let's jump to verse, uh, let's look at verse number 52. It says here that uh, uh, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how could this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. And my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now, with, with that in mind, let's go back to our opening passage of Scripture. It says, from henceforth, from now on, he says, we regard no one according to the flesh. And I've been talking a lot about that. I regard no one according to, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ, according to the flesh. So what is Jesus saying? He says, I am the bread come down from heaven. The bread is my flesh. All right? You're making the connection so far. Now, in verse number 60 of John 6, he says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, This is a hard saying, who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend back to where he was before? Now, there are two words in Scripture that, two Greek words in Scripture that are translated as a single word in English. And uh, uh, actually, there's some other translations for it, but primarily, there is the word logos in the Greek, which we find translated as word. And then there is a word 
rhema in the Greek that is also usually translated as word. So when you read your English Bible and you read the word word, is it talking about logos or is it talking about rhema? Now, for a long time, I heard the very simple definition as this. I heard Bible teachers try to, try to explain the difference. And, and they simply said, the rhema is the spoken word of God. But when I began to study that out, I found out the Logos could also be spoken. All right? So, so I thought, all right, Lord, you're going to have to teach me what's the difference here. What's the difference in Rhema and Logos? Now, Scripture says that Jesus was the express image of the Father. And the express image of the Father is... Uh, describes what a logos is. All right, a, a logos, even though that's not, the word logos is not actually used there, but it defines what a logos is. It, it, you know, as a, a company or an organization will have a logo, which comes from the Greek word logos. And that logo is designed to be a, a visual representation so that when you look at this, you don't have to read it. You just know instantly what it is. All right? Um, your favorite sports team has a logo on the side of their helmet or on the front of their hat or on their shirt or what. They, they have a logo and it may not say the name of the team, but you can tell me, you know, if you're a football fan, you know what every single one of those logos are. Even though the name is not on there. Well, that's the Bears. That's the Cowboys. That's the, you know, the, the, the Broncos. That's the Jaguars. That, you, you know what they, every one of them are. And you didn't have to read it all you had to do was see that logo. That's the purpose of the logo. Jesus was the express image of the Father. When you see Jesus, you know this is the Father. This is exactly like the Father. Praise God. And so, um, you know, the, so Jesus comes, the Bible says in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word Logos, and the Word was with God, the Word Logos, and the Word was God. All three of those words, Word, are Logos. And then in John 14, or 1.14, it says, and the Word, or the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. So we saw God in flesh dwelling among us. Praise God. Now Jesus talks about I'm the bread come down from heaven and the bread is my flesh. And he talks about this and his disciples got upset. You know, they thought this guy sounds like a cannibal because he's talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He is a lunatic, and we are going 
bye-bye. We ain't here no more. We're out of here right now. And so they left, and they walked with him no more. And Jesus then, he turns to the ones that are left, and he says, you guys want to go too? And they said, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. But when Jesus is talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, they said this. They said, this is a hard saying. Now, the word saying is also the word logos. So it could have been translated as word. These are hard words. Hard to understand, hard to comprehend. This is a hard saying. And then Jesus says, he says, the the flesh profits nothing, but the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, notice Jesus used the word words there. The words that I speak to you. This time, he does not use the word logos. This time, he uses the word rhema. So they said, this is a hard logos, and Jesus responds to that by saying, the rhema that I speak to you is spirit, and it's life. We've got to know him according to the spirit, not just according to the flesh. He said, the, now, how does this happen? What takes place here? If you, on your dining room table, you have a loaf of bread. You, you go to the store, you bring home a loaf of bread, you lay it on the dining room table in the, in the package. And that bread can lay there and go bad, and you can starve to death with bread on your table. Do you realize that you can starve to death spiritually if all Jesus is to you is flesh? If you only know him according to the flesh, you can starve spiritually. Doesn't profit you, Jesus said, the flesh profits you nothing. As long as it's flesh, it profits you nothing. Now, if that bread on your table is going to benefit you, what do you have to do? Eat it. You have to get it inside you. But then what happens once it gets inside you? Your body is made in such a way that it begins to chemically break down that bread. Begins to chemically break it down and extract from it what you need for your life, to sustain life. In fact, it's been said, you are what you eat. And so when you eat that bread, you become what's in that bread. You become the nutrients that are in that bread. It it, it becomes a part of you. 
Jesus is giving us a, a, a wonderful picture here. You got to eat the bread. Get it in you. Praise God. And then it will sustain your life. Then you will become what the bread is. And Jesus said the bread is what? He says it's his flesh. He said the bread is, it, 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 this is my flesh. So this is what he is. But once we get it in us, we become what the bread is. We become what Jesus is. Praise God. Now, then he switches over and he says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The rhema that I speak. So here's what happens. When we eat the bread of life, when we partake of the bread of life and we get the bread on the inside of us, we get the, the spiritual sustenance, the food on the inside of us, Holy Spirit begins to do something with that. He begins to take the words that I speak to you and they're no longer flesh. They become spirit. Holy Spirit begins to transform what he said into what you need for your life. Praise God. And you become what the words are. Praise God. Spiritually, you become transformed. We all with unveiled face, the scripture says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. We're being transformed into what we are beholding. We are be being transformed into what we have eaten. We are being transformed into what is now on the inside of us. You see, this is why you the flesh profits nothing as long as he's on the table. As long as Jesus is flesh to you, you will not be transformed into what Jesus is. But once you get him on the inside of you, then you become transformed into what he is, and the words that he speaks become a part of you, praise God. God begins to transform us from the inside out. This is why we don't preach law, because law can only be from the outside. Law can only be from the table. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness after he had been, uh, after he had fasted for 40 days, Satan came and said, you know, command these stones to be turned into bread. Stones is, the, is representative of the law. He said, command the stones to be turned into bread. Jesus, you know, he said, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, stones cannot be bread. As the law will never transform you because law is external, but God transforms us from the inside by putting his spirit on the inside of us, by putting his word, his rhema on the inside of us. And we find ourselves being changed not by in not 
not by an, an intentional act of saying, well, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. No, we just begin, the scripture says, we have the mind of Christ. We, we begin to change so that we think like he thinks, so that we behave without even trying like he behaves. Law is all about you got to try harder. Being transformed is all about you got to eat something. It's all about you being changed from the inside into what he is. And you wake up one day and you don't even recognize that old man anymore. But if you don't eat the flesh, you'll never have the rhema. If you don't eat the logos, you'll never have the rhema. Rhema only becomes rhema because you ate the flesh. Because you ate the logos. Because you got the logos in you. So don't, you know, uh, don't be hard on people that only have a head knowledge. It's got to start with the head knowledge. It's got to start with eating. Don't be worried about somebody that just knows him according to the flesh. Praise God, let's help them know him more according to the flesh. Because when they know him more according to the flesh, then there's something for the Holy Spirit to turn into rhema. Praise God. So don't be upset and don't be critical of people that, that you know, they're just eating the bread. Well, it's okay. It's okay because now when they're eating the bread, now Holy Spirit will turn it into rhema. Let Holy Spirit do his job. You quit trying to turn it into rhema. You, you get that? You know, you stop trying to turn the Logos into Rhema. That's Holy Spirit's job. You keep feeding them bread. Praise God. You keep free, feeding them on the Word of God. You keep feeding it to them. Praise God. Holy Spirit will turn it into Rhema. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today. For this opportunity that we've had to share your word. We want to know Jesus. Not just as Logos. But we want to know Jesus as Rhema. Praise God. So that we can be transformed. Lord. You're after the world. You're not just after us. Growing up into you means that, that we... Do the will of him who sent us. And we finish his work. Thank you today, Lord. Thank you today. If you're here today in this room, or if you're watching online, in either case, I want you to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. The way you can know Jesus as your Savior is to be born again. How does that happen? It's because you believe that Jesus Christ came to this world, died on a cross to pay for all of your sins, and then he rose again from the dead so you could have new life. Praise God. And if you believe that and you verbally acknowledge that, then the Bible says you will be saved.
With a heart one believes unto righteousness, mouth confession is made unto salvation. Praise God. So if that's you today, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray right now, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just repeat this after me. And if you mean what you're saying, then according to God's word, you will be saved. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus, that he died on a cross for me, that he paid for my sins, and then you raised him again from the dead so that I could have new life. Today, I choose Jesus. I acknowledge him as my Lord, my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love.